0: Hello 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 welcome back to the stiff upper lip podcast. We are back for an exciting week 1 of action. I'm your host Tom and joining me is my other co-host Sam Longdon. How are you doing Sam? Hi Tom, I'm I'm very well. Don't make it seem like I've roboticized
1: <laughs> this whole this whole procedure.
2: <laughs>
1: well, the start sounded like a policeman like. Hello. hello, hello, hello. Um, <laughs> And then it sounded like a Good Morning Britain bit.
0: <laughs> I can I can see that being the case. Um, yeah. Joining us also later on will be Max whenever he decides to get here from taking out the garbage, and uh, Ed whenever he decides to join us from you know doing a bunch of overtime at work. But you know, we ride Broncos Country. Uh, <laughs> Broncos Country. Country. Fuck's sake, Broncos Country. Left, right. left wide. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, we got we got an exciting game week one, Sam, where both of us are actually starting out one and out, as well as a whole bunch of good games.
1: This was the best week one I can remember.
0: Is that usually I... because you can't remember much of week one usually like as a whole?
1: I remember being quite disappointed that the Vikings lost the last three years that I've watched the National Football League. <laughs> That's fair.
0: Maybe and maybe as well. One of the other reasons as to why you can remember this week one is because it's the first time that the New York football giants won a week one game since twenty sixteen, but we'll come on to that in just a bit. We've got a Thursday night game in the where the Buffalo Bills absolutely curb stumped the defending Super Bowl champions, Los Angeles Rams, thirty-one to ten, in SoFi Stadium. Boy, howdy! What a
1: game! What a, game. what a, what a statement of intent are the Bills? Uh, you know, squarely aimed at people like Max who had some issues with their elevation to the. You know uh, realistically the top of everyone's thoughts coming into the season, yeah, I mean
0: for for us normal people that you know saw the bills being <laughs> good as a as a genuine possibility, yeah. considering how the good they were that, last season yeah
1: for us people that can appreciate and spot talent when it's there, it you know it didn't come as a surprise, yeah. The only thing that was a surprise
0: to me was just how weirdly off the Rams were though because the Bills played as perfect yeah, yeah. as a game as you could almost get I mean they had a fumble that was from James Cook on literally his first and only oh, carry and they and had a hardly. couple oh it was bad and then they had a couple had picks to... that weren't Josh Allen's fault but other than that he went yeah. 26 of 31 three touchdowns including an absolute strike to Stefan Diggs oh. over the top. So, you know, well, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah. So, prayer, prayers up to, to James Cook. I think he did get some, like, receptions on some, like. Um... Didn't he? Nope. I... Nothing. He Literally, his only involvement in like the game zero... was the fumble. Oh, no. I thought he got, like, some sweet. Dang. Wow, it's I'll a shame go out to, to James Cook. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, are you at least slightly concerned? Turning our attention towards the Rams, at just how tunnel visioned and almost odd Matt Stafford played. In the sense of, I mean, he changed his throwing motion, and it it didn't look comfortable for him. I think this is because of his whole like. He's been dealing with a lot of shoulder problems all preseason. He changes his throwing motion, and now all of a sudden he can't look down a wide receiver that isn't Ben Skaronik and Cooper yeah. Cup.
1: Like, is this is this baseball shoulder?
0: It, it is. It's baseball shoulder.
1: Yeah, it was. It was concerning. A lot was concerning about this offense. Um, couldn't really get anything moving. Alan Robinson was non-existent. The run game really wasn't getting them anywhere. I will say, one of the things that I was concerned about in this game was the Bills' inexperienced cornerbacks. Ugh. And, you know, when when our last, like, a picture of Matt Stafford was, like, the Super Bowl, and he's just slanging it to cup, and it seems like you can't stop him. And... Christian Benford put in an absolute shift. I'm glad that you mentioned his name because as as people
0: that listen to our post-draft recap will attest to, Christian Benford was a guy that we picked at random via the wheel to, to discuss. And boy, howdy, has he proven our,
1: our belief in the wheel right because he had a great game. Yeah, you. by the time tredavius White comes back, in a couple of weeks, you're going to feel very, very good about that. About that cornerback room.
0: Joining us is a man who maybe won't feel all that great about the Bills' cornerback room or anything. Uh, Max, one, how are you doing? Two, what did you think about Thursday night football? He's still on mute. <laughs> I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's actually. Here. Oh, I.
2: I thought I was pressing the talk more loudly
1: button. (laughs) Oh, you were pressing amplify.
2: I was pressing the turbo button on my voice. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: (laughs) No, yeah, I'm doing quite well, actually. Thank you.
1: Um, Is your microphone like a madcap PS2 controller?
2: (laughs) None of my business What bootleg microphone. I mean, it's none of your business. Oh, I I suppose it's also none of my business. Anyway, the the point is... um, (laughs) Yeah, I feel a little bit weird about the Rams because they always—they're one of the most deceptive teams in the NFL, Um, and I have a trust issue with them. Going back to the Todd Gurley degenerative knee problem, when they insisted that everything was alright, when it clearly wasn't, and when it—yeah, I think we talked when Matt Stafford opted for like a six-week non-surgical treatment. It just raises a, a few questions. I don't know if you touched on how bad the Rams' offensive line was, but they got beaten. Well, up and down the
0: field. I was just about to sort of bring that up because I actually, I saw, a, um, I saw a thing that somebody had collated the pass protection ratings for every team from PFF, from ESPN, and from somebody else. And the Rams were 30th overall by basically anyone. The only teams that were worse than them were the heavily injured Buccaneers and weirdly the Lions. But yeah, the Rams were dreadful in Batsboro. Yeah, and... Von
2: Miller Stafford's
1: an absolute firestorm.
0: Oh,
2: if Stafford's going to get pummeled like that with that his shoulder, and it, it's just going to limit the offense to just like you know he's got a really obviously really good trust with Cooper Cup. They're on the same level. He knows where to find him. But it's bad news for everyone else. Also, all that stuff about how Cam Akers was going to be the RB one for the Rams this year. I think he had like two catches. He had like two carries. He was. Minimal, Daryl Henderson, who I've always thought was a much more explosive runner than Cam Akers, um, had the lion's share, but obviously, bad offensive line. It didn't run block great either, and yeah, they they didn't have much to, to work with all day.
0: Yeah, I'm just having a look here just quickly at the rushing uh, like box score. Cam Akers, three carries, no yards. Daryl Henderson, 13, 47. So, like, you know, it makes sense. Uh, really. My, my my issue with the Rams is they seem to be a little bit... They seem to have sort of eaten themselves alive with Sean McVeigh's ego a little bit. Like, you were seeing pet projects like Tutu Atwell getting a, a large share of snaps, um, which isn't going to help. And they just seem to be like... Just banking too much on on getting a bit cute, yeah, getting a bit cute. Which when you're playing against this Bills team, you kind of you want to you want to at least get the basics right, and they just never did. So, I, I believe in them to turn it around because, like, McVeigh is a good coach, and they are defending Super Bowl champions. But man, this was a this was a horror show for them, really. Tweet. Um, any anything else to add before we move into the Sunday slate of games? Uh,
1: Jalen Ramsey was getting uh, just beaten into the dirt left and right. That,
2: that was your Super Bowl prediction. You wanted Jalen Ramsey I think your Super Bowl prediction was he good you thought Jalen Ramsey was going to get mossed every single time he was yeah, the nearest to play. Play. <laughs> He um, didn't, but he did look a bit pathetic trying to crawl, like, go after Seppon Diggs, who was, like, rolling oh over my across god. the oh my god! <laughs> that that gave I got the ick from that for Joe and
0: <laughs> He had such a weird game, though, because, like, for for such an elite cover corner to all of a sudden be perfect passer rating on every pass that he was targeted, yeah. like, oh, mm. Yeah, not a well, great a lot of
2: that is A lot of that is schematic, I think. I'm weirdly enough. I know I'm down on Matt Stafford and the Rams in general, but I'm not panicking about them. I think the O line is a huge concern, but I I don't think they're going to play that badly every week. To be honest. Hmm.
0: Fair enough. All right, let's uh, let's turn our attention to Sunday, and we've got a special one this week because we have the G men up first. Twenty-one to twenty win away in Tennessee on the road their first week one victory since 2016 only their second of the decade Sam scale of one scale of one to ten I'll wait for him scale of one to ten how how elated are you that you're not on a losing record after one week? Uh, I've never had this feeling
1: before. I feel like I'm a a ball of light, no longer taking a physical form. Uh, I'm not, you know, it's week one. We scraped to win against a Titans team that did not look good. You know, this season broadly will probably not go well. But, there was a lot of good shit to take away from this game. Obviously, Saquon. Saquon looked to me like he had, like, that burst back. Which, I mean, obviously, the last two seasons have just been a, you know, crapshoot. But he he looked like, back in 2019, 2018, Saquon Barkley of it. Like 160-something yards. He looked better than that.
2: Arguably. Not to be too hyperbolic.
1: <laughs> but, yeah. And, I mean, you know, it, it was another Daniel Jones game in that he made some plays where you think, maybe there's a guy to keep around, and then he misses wide-open receivers sometimes uh, and doesn't have that great uh, pocket presence.
0: The, the weird thing about Daniel Jones's day is, like, if you actually look at his box score, it's it's about as clean a performance as you're gonna get oh, from yeah. Daniel Jones. I mean, he went 17-21 yeah. with two touchdowns, one pick, but, like,
1: it's that, just that when you, watch him. Just
0: when you watch him. It's just when you watch him
1: play. It's the like... Was, the pick was absolutely, like, on him. <laughs> of force something. Um, but I think this is... I think this is the... Like, this year, with, like, Dable, I think this is the best kind of environment for him. Because Dable is tough on quarterbacks. You need to just... I mean, Brian Dable was really chewing him out after some, like, missed throws and, like, missed reads. Like, if he can't thrive in this kind of position, then I think... That tells you everything you need to know about his future career. But, like, he's he's gonna... If they tagged him next year, it'd be 31.5 million against mm. the cap. Wow. So he's gonna have to be pretty fucking good to, to you know, justify that.
0: But, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna lie... The the CFL bell, uh, bells are ringing for Daniel Jones, <laughs> thirty one million just for the tag. But it's gonna get worse because yeah, they're not gonna want to re-sign him, and unless it's for like way cheaper than that, I could see him yeah. maybe going and being a backup somewhere. But I just can't see him being a a, a highly yeah. paid starter just ever. He's, he's an eight million pound quarterback. Yeah. He's, he's yeah, a guy that you get, in, you
1: get in as a bridge guy. Yeah. So, uh, you know. And there'd be no point just, like, keeping him around if it wasn't just as, like, a backup or a bridge guy. Like, I think they have to go into next season with him explicitly being, like, you know.
2: What was yeah. the score in the third quarter of this game, by the way?
0: So, um, at half, it was 13 uh, nothing Titans. The Giants... Well, they won the third quarter, thirteen to seven. I'm not entirely sure exactly of the sort of scoring breakdown, but then uh, the Titans were completely held out in the fourth quarter.
2: Yeah, it's amazing I, what twenty minutes in the first game of the season can do to impact your, your entire expectations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, Joe uh, Shane was saying like before this game that you know. People are going to exaggerate either way. Like, if if we win, people say that we're probably better than we actually are. If we lose, then, you know, we're probably a bit better than people will say. But yeah. I, um,
2: I, I, I felt like the game was... Like, I think the Giants, with a healthy Saquon Barkley, are going to be a far more competitive team than what oh, yeah. they have been. But I think for the Titans, it was more... It was pro- possibly more concerning for the Titans this season than it was... Not to say it wasn't promising for the Giants. Well, but... the,
1: like, the Giants, you know, if... They're basically in the first year of a rebuild. Like, it's it's not... You know, no one's going to have sky-high expectations from this, but the Titans, like, came into this as the, the one seed in the AFC. Like is much more concerning for them than it is promising for the Giants. Yeah, um... obviously,
2: AJ Brown was going mental for the Eagles and Derrick Henry looked a step slower, I
1: think. Yeah, and... he, he did. And I will say, the tackling on Derrick Henry was very good. Like, wrapped him up quick, wasn't able to break like that many tackles. If mediocre Tannehill
2: sets in for the Titans this year... Which is a possibility. Oh, that's a,
1: that's, that's a death knell.
2: That that is not good news for T- Tannehill's time in Tennessee.
0: The um the thing that I sort of wanted to touch upon, Max briefly mentioned it about how AJ Brown was going off for the Eagles. Um, the most targeted receiver on the Titans this year was fifth round, fourth round rookie Kyle Phillips, who had six catches for sixty six yards. Their first round pick Traylon Burks had, like a fairly decent long play, but other than that it was a couple short passes and that was it. Um I'm not I'm not seeing much pop out of their wide receiver room. I mean Kyle Phillips had a pretty good day for a, a fifth or fourth round rookie, can't remember which. Someone wants to correct me on that, let me know in, on Twitter or whatever. Um but Traylon Burks has been a lot of like talk in, in preseason and I know we did this whole thing last year and then Jamar Chase ended up being great. But Traylon Burks's issues seemed more than just like a a concentration thing. He seems to actually be concerning for the Titans. And then they've got I mean, Robert Woods is is fine, but he's coming off of a pretty gnarly injury last year. Dontrell Hilliard got some decent, like looks in the passing game they're going to be leaning more on derrick henry than i think that they ever have and if he's not if he's getting bottled up by teams like the giants who granted their their defense has been sort of like a more middle point where their offense has been a low point the last few years but like they've been they've been alright if derrick henry's going to get bottled up and held out of the game this much like i have real concerns that the titans aren't, yeah. aren't going to be Anywhere yeah. near the playoffs this year? Yeah. Can I Again, give you one final?
1: Oh, go ahead, Sam. No, I was just gonna say, like, I, you know, I said I was very pleased with like how they dealt with Henry, but to say that was with such a like talent poor unit because the the Giants' defense is talent poor, but well, it is wink rich. Oh, so, <laughs> you know, that that always give you something, but it it, it does not bode well for the much, much, much better defences that Derrick Henry is going to have to drag his team through.
0: Absolutely. Um, also, while in, in there, Ed, how are you doing, first of all? Welcome in. Oh, he's, he's asking for a, a, a quick moment. Um, he's
1: composing his thoughts.
0: All right. <laughs> in which case, that's uh, entirely fair. We'll... Um, I assume, Ed, you probably don't have much to say here about this Titans-Giants game if you just want to give us a little thumbs up or down. All right. Well, in which case, let's uh, turn our attention to the probably second best weird game over the day where the Pittsburgh Steelers went on the road to Cincinnati and managed to beat the defending AFC champions 23-20 to Um, five turnovers from this Bengals offense, including on the second play of the game, Minka Fitzpatrick with a pick six. This was, this was probably the most convincing performance out of the Steelers defense I've seen since that weird year where Mason Rudolph was in and they just played like the top one unit in the whole league, um, There were shades of the curtain a little bit in the sense of... I mean, nine sacks, three for Alex Highsmith, four interceptions. One of them was an absolute beaut by Cam Sutton. Jumped the route on a post route up the middle. It was convincing. And then all of a sudden, because of lacking play calling from from the Steelers' offense and not really much push in the run game, all of a sudden the Bengals clawed back... They score late in the game. It's a guarantee with Evan McPherson. Until Minka Fitzpatrick, making a case for player of the week on the defensive side of the ball, gets in there and blocks the the extra point. This game's going to overtime. And we see three missed kicks in a row. What is going on? Evan McPherson misses wide left on a chip shot because the laces were in. Then Chris Boswell drills one with the doink of the year already from 56. And then, my bad even, we didn't see three missed kicks in a row. The Bengals get back into field goal range. Arthur Mollette coming off the edge. Managed to sack Joe Burrow. Forces a fumble. It then gets them out of field goal range. Steelers then go on a final drive late in the game. Mitch Trubisky hitting Deontay Johnson and Pat Friermuth. And Boswell drilling the game winner. This game went crazy. That was. I, I think long. joining the call at
3: this moment was a mistake.
0: How are you doing, Ed?
3: <laughs> um, I'm okay. Uh, yeah, how, how stuff forced me to be a late arrival to this, so I do apologise.
0: Oh,
3: um, yeah, I am excited to talk about the weekly slate. I can see. I, I note from our show run that the the games you've already discussed. I'm glad because I doubt I'd have had much more to contribute to those ones. Um, yeah. Excited. Let's uh let's talk
1: some ball. Yeah. Mm. If if Ed shaved, he'd look remarkably like Chris Boswell.
0: I have I have actually it's thought true. about this a few times. You you do have Boswell esque energy about about your look in the face, especially. Hmm.
3: The problem is, do you know who Chris Chris Boswell actually reminds me of? I think he in my mind oh. he looks like Teddy from Bob's Burgers. Agreed. Like he does this is this reference fallen on deaf ears?
0: Not on deaf ears for me. I, I agree with it. Just looks like <laughs> Te- yeah,
3: well anyway. Um <laughs> this game was a really fucking good time until it wasn't.
1: Like Yeah, it was, did it, it was... Slugfest until it just like collapsed.
3: Yeah, it yeah. That's the thing. They were they were trading these turnovers, and then the Pittsburgh offense would get mired, and then they turn the ball over again, and then get mired again. And like, it was interesting, and then it got to the point where it had gone on for too long. Like, you know, in like a sort of like a fight where, you know, that both of the competitors, like it's, ne- it's in neither of their interests to continue anymore.
0: Yeah. But I always find, especially like that's, if that's it's
3: where this game was,
0: I, I thought of it more as like a a, a, a sort of weird technical wrestling match, wherein you get to the end and you're like, who is actually going to win this? Cause somebody's got to, right. They can't just, they can't just keep trading blows forever in, in overtime. And it seemed like nobody could quite get the finishing blow. Um and all it took was a bit of magic from Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth to to make it happen. Why didn't oh that happen God. sooner? Oh, that catch that from Deontay, Deontay Johnson. That Deontay Johnson catch. It Yeah. It, seriously, if you've not if you've not seen the
3: first it by now. Of class from the
0: it was. And
3: the first and only moment of class from the Steelers offense. Well, yeah. we
0: had like a few like Weird trickeration plays, but other than that, like the first moment of traditional, classy play that actually advanced the ball properly, was the Deontay Johnson catching. My God, what a catch! But yeah, uh, I I disagree that it it was it was like a a, a sloppy slugfest at the end. I was more somebody's got to win. I am deeply interested, just for me. How how does this game keep going on when we've been in field goal range three times now and neither team can win it? Well, the Bengals long snapper got hurt. That's why. Well, yeah, but you know, we're not. I, it was more of a rhetorical thing, but you know, whatever. But it is true. If the Bengals, I mean, not to prolong this discussion
2: for another eighty six minutes. But you have to think if the Bengals long snapper doesn't get hurt, then they scrape a win despite losing the turnover battle 5 0. Then it's a different conversation. I just. I'm getting. I'm not getting. Um, the old curtain flashbacks. I'm getting like 20. Um, 20... What, 8? 20. 2017 Bears? Uh, 20, uh, yeah, 2018 Bears. Yeah, well, that had a tank as well, obviously. But. Um, just yeah i don't like <laughs> i'm not I, I didn't really like what i saw from pittsburgh um on offense at all very much and I, I know it's not an original take it's just like it's one of those things where like i was saying it's amazing how much your entire opinion of your season can change on, on a whim after week one and i just think we could be looking at a very different reality
0: oh yeah i'm not Look, I'm clearly never going to be advocating that after an offensive performance where Mitch Trubisky's throwing 21 of 38, 194 in a touchdown, like, that, that's, that that's good. I'm just saying that the defense played out big ball and we got a fun game out of it. It ended up being way more fun than if it was like a massive blowout, even though one team just couldn't move the ball at all. So, you know, from a neutral perspective as well. You can't get five turnovers, over, uh, turn five turnovers every week, though. You can, but also, th- an important part of this is that the Bengals' defense is still also loaded with talent. They didn't lose anybody. No, but I don't know. They're they're in that medium tier of NFL
2: defenses where they aren't going to get blown out, but they they're not quite like a difference making defense. If you know what I mean. There's very few properly elite defenses that. And I actually think Pittsburgh is shaping up to be one of those, but there's very few of them where they actually can win a game, if that makes sense. Yeah. Most defences can lose you a game. Not many can win you a game, if that makes sense. Not on a reliable basis.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Um, I agree with that point, although I, I do think that there are enough playmakers on the Bengals' side that, I mean, last season's playoffs especially proved it. Like their defense balled out against the Titans and that was kind of what got them through that game. But um, anyway, we move on just They would have slightly. won if they
2: dropped it. Nice <laughs>
0: uh, Move on slightly to a little bit of news that came out of the game, uh, which is that TJ Watt, Torres Peck, uh, reigning defensive player of the year, would have been on the shelf for, it was feared, maybe four months. They've actually, it's it's looking more and more likely as more and more opinions are coming out from from doctors and and sources close to the team that apparently it's only going to be a six week thing. So, as uh, it's one it's one that I think me personally I've gotten away with a little bit here because man, it would have sucked to lose T J Watt for the year. Uh, Sam's aggressively spamming one of my emotes at me in the Discord, but. I'm gonna take that as the sign to move on, even though we spent about five minutes less on this game than the Giants game. Let's move that's on. Because it, that's because it was less exciting. All right, um, we'll turn our attention now to the to the main event of this podcast uh, day, where the Green Bay Packers traveled to US Bank Stadium and got the bait, uh, breaks beat off them by Justin Jefferson. Who won it twenty three to seven? Ed Max, take it away, because I know you want to.
1: The rest of the Minnesota Vikings were also there, but less consequential.
3: I, I, I It wasn't a one man performance. Like Justin Jefferson was very, very good, and I think it gave the Packers a taste of what other teams sort of had when Rogers and uh, Adams strolled into town but i think that um it was a as comprehensive a victory as you're likely to see i think i think the difference was that the vikings comprehensively schemed jefferson open oh yeah which I, I think he his average separation was uh 4 yards per reception including like the one of the touchdown receptions which was he had he was in 10 yards of space and that's the probably the best wide receiver in the nfl or certainly like a top two or three guy, and I think that the other t- the other sign is that green bay defensive oh, sorry offensive line didn't come to play at all, and the Vikings front seven absolutely hammered them
0: one of the things that um I saw a lot of, yeah I saw a lot of talk about was um Kevin O'Connell may have had such a massive role for the Rams specifically in scheming keep a cup open constantly because what we were seeing from Justin Jefferson was like that level of he was open almost every time that Cousins looked downfield um just purely through excellent scheming that's got to be exciting for you right
3: yeah i'm i'm very happy i'm very very happy about how the offense looked um if there's one flaw it's third down offense like minnesota weren't great on third down I think they converted less than half of them, which is perhaps more of a cousin's struggle than a scheme struggle because, I mean, third down is famously not his down. But um, I, I think there are so many positives to this, and I think that, yeah, I think that the inquest in Green Bay must be kind of pretty stark at the moment. Uh, that
2: that from... wasn't even in the top four most comprehensive defeats of Week One. The Packers played pretty badly, but they they didn't exactly get blown out of the water. I mean, it was a it was like a thirteen point game with twenty minutes left. I think it really was like it came down to three things. As Ed said, the the Vikings were just they looked a lot more up for it, and they were way more physical. When their defensive line was matched up against the Packers' offensive line, I think um, Zadarius Smith obviously came out firing. DJ Wanham was really impressive as well. Um, Harrison Smith, I think, Eddie pointed out, he played one of his better games I've seen against the Packers. He was very short-tackler. He was made some key stops, including... And I think this is another one of the main differences that the Packers were pretty crap inside the red zone. I think they had a goal line stop and then they had a fourth down inside the red zone that they didn't convert later on in the game where, like, the problem is they got down so early that they had to go for it in those situations. And, um yeah, AJ Dillon got stuffed and that offensive line got overwhelmed on the fourth and one. I mean, yeah, it's not easy to tackle AJ Dillon, but Harrison Smith on the third down really did pop him, which was a huge play as the game unfolded and I think yeah they had like a fourth and short where they decided to throw it to a double covered Robert Tunyon in the end zone which was like a bizarre play call it was like they were just (laughs) just like hey I wonder if this play works and we can use it later on in the season um which was bizarre and I think the third difference was (laughs) that the um Minnesota Vikings do have the best receiver in the game um and as you say like I don't think there's too much of an inquest to be honest with the Packers. I think a lot of it is understood. But the The big question would be, you know, you've got five, or you've got all five of your main defensive backs returning to the second year of the same scheme of Joe Barry. Why is Justin Jefferson so open all the time? And why isn't Jair Alexander your best cornerback covering him? Like, he's like, why isn't he covering him? Well, we play zone. Okay, but like, <laughs> come on, let's, let's do something about this. Jair Alexander was shadowing it wasn't shadowing, but he was mainly covering Phelan in the first half. And I think, I don't think Phelan had a a target when, you know, like, I do think Jefferson is probably going to win plenty of battles against Alexander. He's just that good. But, like, give, give him a chance. There were so many miscommunications. And they, t- to be fair, they did hugely adjust to that at time And, you know, I think he had, like, 151 yards at half and 155 and finished with 186 or something. And I think there was one play in the second half where he had like a 20-yard completion. And um, it was against uh, Savage, and Savage kind of got, got up and looked around as if to say, like, I was supposed to have help on that play. So that would be the main problem for the Packers. But yeah, it was, they were clearly a second best team. But weirdly, I feel better about them than I did this time last year because I thought they actually showed marked improvement and adjustment in the second half, even though the game was kind of over.
3: And uh, that's my shield. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, I that
1: story.
3: I think that might be I think that might be kind.
1: <laughs> what do you mean?
3: <laughs> yeah. i I'm happy I'm happy to sort of... I I just I just think that you, you say, oh, on the one hand that isn't supposed to be an inquest, but on the other hand, the best receiver in the game got four degrees of separation on every route that you run. I'm every around sure so that that
0: like, like, the one thing if that there's not an if, if there doesn't need, need
3: to be an inquest after that then <laughs> I'm sure I said that was the one
1: thing that would have an inquest <laughs> uh... all right all right yeah yeah this to devolve into a classic wilkins Saito <laughs> 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 I honestly don't understand like a, a semantics off. <laughs> I was
0: expecting like a because you said uh, that you that Max was being like uh, light almost I was kind of expecting there to be like a follow-up remark for that but
2: okay I have a follow-up remark did you actually watch oh, yeah. the
0: second half where you fast asleep in your barn
3: <laughs> <laughs> no I um, I know I, I actually went to bed at half time when the game was won um but then I watched it back the next day. <laughs>
2: uh, I mean, the first—if if the first half had gone like the second half, it would have been a comprehensive boat race. But it—it it didn't. Like the Packers were much more even in the second half and recency bias. I saw that thirty-six. Lost by
3: lost by sixteen points. That's yeah okay. But we didn't lose as badly
2: as the Jets lost to the Ravens. We didn't lose as badly as no, the expect.
3: <laughs> <laughs> No one was really? saying that the Jets were a consensus division champions. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, but also you like, said it was the most comprehensive defeat. That's oh, mate, the actually, they actually fair, both... Max,
0: you did lose by more than the Jets lost to the Ravens. Just to yeah, but we didn't lose as badly.
2: Hmm.
0: Do you just look at like
2: the, the newspaper score and it just it's like Baltimore dot 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 twenty four and New York dot 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 nine and you're like, well, i know enough about that game to move on <laughs> Yeah.
0: Guys, to be I'm fair, they didn't dramatic. I think To be fair, Ooh. New York Jets didn't have um <laughs> didn't have notable ayahuasca legend MVP yeah. Aaron Rodgers but you know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not mm-hmm. gonna throw fuel yeah, on had, this fire. They
2: had Broadway reject
0: Joe Flacco. Yeah, you expect <laughs> to lose by 24 to nine when you've got <laughs> Broadway reject Joe Flacco, Captain Checkdown. So what
3: we, what we are saying then is that it is the most comprehensive dismantling of a team this week,
0: and we can move on. Oh no, it's not the most because there's still one more, but. <laughs> But <laughs> I digress. Let's move on anyway, because there was another game that went all the way down to the wire. We got three in one week. The Saints came back from another Falcons esque odds. They were ninety-seven point one percent likely to win the game, and the Falcons threw away a twenty-three to ten lead and lost twenty seven to twenty six. Unbelievably, again, the Atlanta Falcons, it doesn't matter who their head coach is, it doesn't matter who's at quarterback, they will blow games and the Saints came back from the brink of death, 27-26. Marcus Mariota with a 20-33, of 215-yard, no-touchdown day. Jameis Winston should have been picked off a couple times but kept his... Kept his uh, clean sheet in the in inter- uh, in the interceptions column. Threw two touchdowns, two sixty yards. Taysom Hill, by the way, eighty-one rushing yards, including an absolutely massive one right at the end of uh, the well. It was right at the end of the first quarter, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, Saints come back and win it. Much to, back, baby. Much to Ed's chagrin.
1: Some time.
0: I mean, the, f- the first
3: thing to say about this game is that if that was like week five onwards, Jameis wouldn't have made it half-time before Dalton was in. So the fact that they were able to come back at all is by virtue of it being early in the season. Um, it was a very entertaining game, and I think we all sort of like said a similar thing, which was, like, actually, it's going to be quite nice to watch this Atlanta offense when they're humming... Um, and then they went off the boil, and we were all like, "Oh yeah, this is also what I learned to do." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. It is true. I mean, yeah. I th- Pits was a bit of a disappointment. Uh, Sorry, I think we're <laughs> I'm a bit, maybe we'll we'll call
0: my internet the problem for that. I'm a bit sort of ah uh, no, I'll call it that. I'm distracted by what is Sam doing. He's just running around um, looking for a fax machine um, or something. But yeah, I Kyle Pitts...
1: I can smell smoke, and I'm trying to figure out if it's any of the multiple snake vivariums to my left.
0: Oh, oh, okay, in which case, you, you deal with smoke and fire. Yeah.
1: Um, also, or I do that. I'll, the first three quarters of Offence for the Saints were fucking dreadful. And then in the fourth quarter... There's three quarters, they had eight first downs. In the fourth quarter, they had ten. Alone. And in the last three possessions, they ran 12 plays for 208 yards and 17 points. Jameis Winston, he can. Hey, he's got something. It's because that's
3: when his LASIK kicked in. Like he finally took the LASIK bandages off
0: (laughs) from the side of his head. (laughs) But yeah, crazy, crazy game in an already crazy. Can you think of it? Can you think of like a? What's happening here is is Ed is actually also backwards in time from moving into a barn. So and and. That's that's causing some issues, just in case anyone was wondering why why me and Ed are so unsynced.
3: Yeah, I'm um I'm I'm using my phone as a hotspot at the moment. That's how that's how terrible the, the internet is here. And hence why I struggled to make the call for quite so long. Um Yeah, do I have many more points about uh the Saints versus the Falcons? I think that the person who's going to be most disappointed is the people who care about the Falcons. And not just, like, Falcons fans, but, like, there's a lot of people who, like, have, like, a little bit of an affinity towards the Falcons. And I feel like every year we think, oh, they're not going to do it. And the, the sort of the cast changes. The faces change, but the fourth quarter collapses stay the same. If you
2: like the Falcons, you like them for who they are, and if you if you, if you love the Falcons but hate their fourth quarter collapses, you never love them in the first
0: place. It's a good point it is a good point. all right, I think that we should move uh move on we We're finally out of games that went down to almost the last kick in fact, they did all go down to the last kick of the game. We're going to turn our attention now to uh, the Hard Knocks team. The Detroit Lions uh, hosted the Eagles, but sadly the story was always the same. The Eagles winning this one 38-35. But a good game, a high-scoring game. Both teams' running attack went off today. Um, Eagles, Jalen Hurts went 17 rushes, 90 yards, and a touchdown. They got all four of their running backs or all three of their running backs and their quarterback all registered a touchdown. They didn't throw for a, for a single touchdown. Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott all getting one in. Um, and on the Lions' side of the ball, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, the main attraction. Although there was an interesting point as Amon Ra sent Brown scored a touchdown three minutes earlier to um, bring the Lions back into this game then his his brother equinimene uh, equinimius sent brown scored a touchdown for for the bears so a nice little interesting story there but yeah the lions rush defense just wasn't up to up to snuff they were a bit of a problem last season and against a team like the eagles who absolutely beat the brakes off them uh last year there was improvement, but it, it was still always going to be a tall order. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll
3: let Max wax lyrical about AJ Brown in a minute, but I um I thought the linebacking of Detroit just absolutely wasn't up to stuff. And I, I know they have this um, new rookie who they think the world of, and he looked amazing in preseason. But I think it was a little bit of a of a baptism of fire of being like, oh, these guys aren't just going to run duo every time like I think it came down to play recognition a lot for Detroit and I think they were slow to react and slow to tackle.
2: Yeah, this is a game that wasn't as close as it looked. Um for the final score that was yeah, there was a lot of garbage time for the lines. I mean at halftime Jared Goff had like a does a baker's dozen yards um and yeah, the Eagles were just sort of running rampant. I I yeah, I really liked the dimension that AJ Brown brings to this team. Um because you have to, you have, you can't just load the box. Because he's a big enough guy, a physical enough guy that if he's in a one-on-one matchup, Jalen Hurts can deliver him the ball, and he's he's going to make a play on the ball. And then, I mean, there was a play in this game I think where he dragged a guy. A guy was like draped on him for like twenty yards to the catch, and and I mean like arms around him, and he just just powered through it and down to like I think it was. Uh, Goal to go situation. So, you you can't just like take your chances and load the box. You really have to pay AJ Brown attention. I mean Devonta Smith, who was a really good, barely. I think he was like a bit part, a bit part player in this game. So yeah, he I didn't, mean he didn't have any receptions yeah, at all. Exactly. So yeah, it, it's a, it's a scary prospect having a multi-dimensional attack like that. And I think uh, better defenses than the Lions will be will be on the receiving end of some beat down to Shear. I think they're a really fun team to watch. It's a bit concerning that their defence let the Lions back into the game like that. But I think, um, I don't know, Jared Goff is a really, he's a garbage time quarterback. Like, when there's something on the line, he he tends to come up small. But when he's playing with no pressure, he, he does throw some nice passes. So, yeah, and, and Swift and Williams are, yeah, a great duo. It is is weird what you said about the... the, I I didn't take a a close look at this game, but it would be interesting to read a bit more about how the offensive line played because that was meant to be the anchor point of this team and you're saying they were the worst by most grades in the league. um, That's a
0: concern. Yeah, uh, there was a a thing that I sort of mentioned earlier on in the episode, Ed, where um, someone had collated the rankings for um, different teams and I mentioned it when the Rams were on because they were... They were 30th across PFF, ESPN, um, and uh, PFN. Um, and it was only when you looked at who was below them, it was like, oh, oh. And oh, the Lions were dead last in that in that thing for pass protection rankings. So, one to watch.
3: That feels... I mean, the one thing you could say about that is that Jared Goff holds on to the ball for too long, always has, always will. And he's always going to make his O-line look worse. But that's, something, that's certainly something to watch, isn't it, if they didn't have a good game. Yeah. I've got to confess, I didn't... Like, I saw I saw a lot of pressure on Goff, but I saw him wandering into a lot of pressure. So I'm not sure how much of it I put on
0: the D-line, oh, sorry, on the O-line. But yeah, one mm-hmm. to watch. Yeah, I mean, this year was always going to be like a weird year for the Lions. I know that they were on hard knocks and everyone's always got a thing about writing up the team that was on hard knocks as being like, oh, they're going to be good this year. And like, they are definitely improving. There was a lot of improvements that I saw in this one. Um, I know that they've gotten a bad pass protection grade, but their run blocking was, was it was almost poetic at points, like on the DeAndre Swift 50-yard um, rush downfield. Like, they they are improving and they are going to keep getting better. But, without a quarterback and i'll I'll sing this forever that Jared Goff isn't a good starting quarterback at this point without a proper starting quarterback there's no there's no real hope for the lions so um they can, they can just sort of expect everything else to be fine and and yeah quarterback play to just be down so I'm not going to take too much stock in the fact yeah. that they lost here because I actually like the Eagles a lot this year. I think that they'll be they'll be a hell of a team to um, to try and stop if they can stay healthy.
3: They're still going to have the Jalen Hurts limiting factor for me. That's I, we can have a referendum at like week nine to see what my opinions on Jalen Hurts
0: are. Well, More we than did, happy to do that i'm pretty sure we did that last year and then jalen hurts went on to be to be pretty pretty good <laughs> at the end of last season so you know we'll we'll do that we'll do that i think I, I think that i
3: agree AJ brown was the perfect wide receiver to get for the Eagles because he makes inaccurate quarterbacks accurate with his catch radius <laughs> and his sort of like where you can box out DBs.
0: that's fair All right, shall we turn our attention to some games that we'll probably have less to talk about but still ended up being largely interesting? Um, And I'm going to turn the attention straight away to Jaguars 22 away on the road at Commanders, who won this one with a score of 28. Um, I don't have much to say about this game. It was a very Wentzian performance and also a very... uh, Weird Trevor Lawrence performance. He didn't seem to look all that great, but Jahan Dotson, the rookie, had one of the better catches of the week by by a by a, quite a wide margin on the touchdown to win the game. I mean, way to go, get it, rookie! On a dive in very well pressed coverage, lays out, makes the catch with his left arm. What what more could you possibly want? There's a lot to there's a lot to maybe. Almost enjoy about how the Commanders won this one. It was a commanding performance. Yeah, I tell
2: you, what, I think it's, might. Have it's the a better. brave man. Sorry, there's Max. a lot of people. Sorry, I was gonna say there's a lot of people who might not agree with this, but it is possible that by midseason we're saying that the Commanders actually have the, the best wide receiver trio in the league between Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, and Terry McLaurin. That's not at all implausible. Um which is only going to lead to probably even more pressure being put on Castle Wentz, which he's inevitably not going to live up to. <laughs> yeah. Um I was gonna say the the only other takeaway I had from this game is that the decline of James Robinson and the triumphant emergence of Travis Etienne might have to wait a little longer because it didn't look like happening in the in reform.
3: No, and he was clearly very ring rusty, which is Fair, because I don't think he played in his final year at Clemson and then missed all of his last year due to injury. So he's like two years out. I can understand why, you know, when live rounds are flying, you're dropping a pass. But yeah, yeah. the fact that James Robinson was getting passes on the goal line, you sort of feel a little bit like, uh-oh, he's in Peterson's doghouse. Um, I want to talk about Carson Wentz, if I can, for a second. Absolutely. Because... Four touchdown passes, and two of them were really nice passes, and then two of the worst picks you will see all week on back-to-back plays.
0: I I actually disagree on one of them being a, a bad pick because it was just such a weird but really good play by Trayvon Walker, who the Jags brought in to be a, a bit of a game wrecker, and if that includes like picking off a screen pass, then fair play. I don't I don't. One of them definitely was Wentzian, though. I'll, I'll give you that one. But the other one... I, th- I think that, that was I'll, just a good defensive play. I'll tell you why the second one was classic Wentzian.
3: All right, Because what he's done is he's seen the play too late, and rather than throwing it with touch, he's had to hammer it in, and that's given... Because he's thrown it at a lower angle, that's given <laughs> Trayvon Walker, you know, carte blanche to go up and get it. Because if... If Wentz sees it earlier and anticipates the space being there, he doesn't have to leather it through coverage. It's Wentz. It's just what he does. Like, I'd I'd expect a lot of other QBs to also make that mistake. But it was, yeah.
0: But it was also Wentz, yeah, yeah. I get you. (laughs) It was also absolutely prime Wentz. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um... Just one quick question to both of you: What does anyone sort of make of this Jags team? I mean, going on the road to the Commanders, who um, we we've all actually sort of acknowledged their their potential in the receiving game, especially. But the Jags hold themselves back into it. Maybe with a better coach, they might actually not be. They might not be so turgid. Um, they just need to knock some rust off of. Um, off of Etienne and, you know, get Trevor Lawrence to actually look like the number one overall pick again. But what's everyone think to their season potential this year? Because I'm I'm unsure.
2: My worry is that, you say getting Trevor Lawrence back to the number one overall pick, I mean, he hasn't shown any of that in the NFL. That is my main concern, is that I just haven't seen it from Trevor Lawrence this level. Um, If he doesn't, then that's like a, uh, obviously, a massive problem for the Jags um, because I think they can improve massively from last year and be a more respectable team, and still easily be in the conversation for a top five pick.
3: That's I, I personally, I think they probably won't get a, like a top five pick because I, I think they've got a lot of talent, but for me, it's youth. Like when you look at the Jags team. Like, it's very, very hard to look at that Jacks team and not see they drafted all of those players, like, very, very recently. Yeah. Like, I think, like, Marvin Harrison, no, sorry, ma- not Marvin Harrison, what, who am I talking Marvin Jones. Like, and Christian Kirk, I guess. But, like, there's not a lot of veterans and there's not a lot of veteran leaders on that team. They can't. They just can't
2: draft. Who was their last really successful high draft pick? Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. No. Josh Allen. Yeah. yeah, Josh Allen. I mean, but then they they always pick people who are really highly rated, like
3: um, they oh they've whiffed on guys because there's Chase on and there's C.J. Henderson and there's people like that who they've drafted high on and whiffed on. Henderson was making a fool of himself for a different team altogether this this week. So
0: it's a shame that that game didn't happen, though. So it's all right. <laughs> You're quite right. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I'll go along with it. It was very, it was very youthful. They did lose some of their sort of main veterans on the defense. Like I, I know Miles Jack was such a key part, and I know that he had a bad year under under Urban Meyer. But like, who didn't? Urban Meyer's a bad coach. But he he would still be a great veteran presence to have the green dot in this team filled with youth um, so yeah I think that they'll they'll eventually come good. they just actually have to work out the, the kinks that all of these young talented guys have got to, to, to really work with so yeah, it doesn't help that they, they're on another head coach um so you know one one thing to watch out for
3: a lot of ed guys in jacksonville right now there is a lot of ed guys
0: yeah um so yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye on them um let's turn our attention to uh the well to SoFi stadium again where the raiders went on the road and lost 19 to 24 to our Los Angeles Chargers. Um, Devontae Adams' first game as a Raider had a pretty good game as well. 10 catches, 141 yards and a touchdown, including one absolutely gorgeous juke move. Put um, I can't remember who it was that he ended up juking out of his shoes, but man, had that Chargers defence in a spin cycle, but... You know, when you're counting on a guy to show his quality, you got Justin Herbert and the weird uh, non-actual DeAndre Carter white dude that they showed on broadcast to also make a play. So there you go. Um, Keenan Allen picked up a hamstring injury. Whether or not he misses significant time or if it's just this week, uh, it's still pending. But yeah, anyone got any thoughts about Chargers Raiders? Raiders' O line looks a mess.
3: Um, the Chargers got six sacks, and I know they've got a very dominant sort of pairing with Bosa and Mac, but they were also like getting a lot of pressure up the middle. And you think that like some of it, I think honestly, was Carr holding onto the ball, staring down Devante Adams, like because no one else. It was it was the Adams show today, and I think it was perhaps to the detriment of the Raiders' game plan. I mean, as, as well as he played and as well as, like, Carr did when he targeted Adams, I think that the offence was quite
0: stale. Yeah, it was a bit yeah. one-dimensional, wasn't it? I mean... they—they agree.
2: They, they just... Darren Waller had a, a decent game, but Hunter Renfro, who was, it was really like the chain mover, naturally in that offence, was just barely involved until late in the
0: game. Yeah, you... you... It's almost like it's almost damning whenever you look at a Chargers stat line and you see Hunter Renfro only having three catches for 21 yards it's like oh well they didn't move the ball very well and it was it was right they they sort of didn't they had 18 first downs but like you almost they they got most of those just targeting Devontae Adams like in a in a in a big spot like like you say, Renfro is the chain mover he's the guy that you'd you'd go to as the safety valve so yeah.
3: Mm. Like like when they were using him in the China route last year, they were like almost unplayable on third down because mm-hmm. of how Renfro got himself open and like it's not like Adams is a slot receiver. It's not like it's not like they can't both be on the field at the same time. It's not Lampard and Gerard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean Adams is a is
2: a great player in the slot, but no, it's it's a little Yeah, maybe there's something to track, like like Stafford in Cup. Um, having a bit of tunnel vision. I mean, yeah, like too much of a good thing potentially. I mean, obviously last year or the last few years, the Packers' passing attack has really been channeled through Adams in the same way, but the Raiders certainly don't have the offensive line that the Packers have had. And they certainly don't have A.J. Dylan and Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams back there. So, And they also... Yeah, they- they, they need to open it up a bit, and the defense is... A good and although, I mean, you talk about the Falcons, the Chargers somehow found, almost found a way.
3: For sure. I see, I see this as them turning a corner, perhaps. Really? <laughs> another
2: false one. Another, um, another thing I'm tracking is, I think Khalil Matic had his best performance for a few years, but he is also a sneaky week one guy. A bit like Sammy Watkins, um, he's a se- he's a bit of a September guy, like a, you know, like he, he in Chicago he he didn't play as well deeper as the seasons went on. He often got hurt. But if they do get a good Khalil Mack and and Joey Bosa, then yeah, I mean, watch out for that. That's 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 a problem. Well, the and problem for only- me here you know, with
0: those two is that Joey Bosa gets hurt more often than not, and so does Khalil Mack. Like. How how likely is it that by week eight they're both still healthy and playing up to their usual level without, like, a niggly hip injury or, or an ACL or something?
2: Yeah, it's it's possible, isn't it? And it is the Chargers, so probable, if anything. But, I mean, you know, let us be optimistic, because you, if you watch, like, the top five Justin Herbert throws from this game, I mean... That guy just the way that he throws the ball, he just comes out different. He has like a lot of QBs in the game these days have a cannon, but the it just looks different coming out of that guy's hand. Mm-hmm. I mean there was a throw he had down in the red zone that I I I've not seen a ball fly out with that sort of violent velocity for quite a long time. MVP form perhaps. Yeah. I'm, it's like he's I'm from space, it.
0: isn't it? Oh, I love that guy. I I just I I, I was saying it in because I do like watch parties and stuff in in this server that we use to record and I was saying it to to the sort of ten or eleven people. I was like Justin Herbert is is without a doubt my favorite player that isn't that isn't like on my own team because I just every game he's doing something that just makes me think wow wow. Like I know, Mahomes is also capable of of making you say wow, but I feel like Herbert does a lot of the basics better. Like Mahomes is a bit a bit tentative to a, a deep drop back, and you make you think like oh, should have just gotten rid of the ball there. Herbert just plays he plays consistently great football, but at an unbelievably high level as well. So yeah, I I just love that guy. I'll happily. I'll happily sit here for the next five hours and talk about Justin here, but, but I want to move on because we still got a few games left and I want to at least finish off the slate before. um, before. But I know that, Max, you said that you were planning on leaving at half six. Oh,
2: yeah, I'll let you know. Um, All
0: right, okay. Um, Well, in which case, I don't know if there's much to really say here, but I'll let you talk about um a former Wisconsin Badger because we're going to go talk about the Colts and the Texans, who had our first tie of the season, 20 apiece, missed field goals and missed extra points all over again. This one dragged on. This one was the one that dragged on for me. I know that you said it about the Steelers game, but this one. This one I couldn't believe was still going on at half past nine.
3: Um, See, I disagree, because I was being told that I had to care about Steelers-Bengals. And so that's what made it drag on. Whereas this one, I had no. I felt like I had no horse in the race. So I just sort of sat back and watched the disaster unfold. Just
1: to jump in, I'm a dip. You get a dip? The, the burning smell was our tea that got left on the hob and one of us knocked one of the hobs on by accident.
0: Oh, so now no. there's
1: a, a, a pizza that was on fire in my shower. Oh, so, man. I'm gonna get go sort that. <laughs> Alright.
3: Can, uh, can we get a picture of that to use as the thumbnail for the episode?
1: No. Please? I have already showered it oh. and put it in a bin bag.
0: Oh. Oh. I was gonna be like, get oh, it a wet, bit of wet pizza that was on fire would be great. <laughs> I'm gonna go deal with that. Okay. Okay. In which, in which case. Yeah, will do. See you later, Sam. Okay. Colts Texans. Jonathan Taylor had a pretty Jonathan Taylor day, but I don't really have anything really to talk about here with this one, because it just got overshadowed by the other games that were all happening in the same window that all went mental. I think... Um, I think sorry, Max. I was going to say,
2: yeah, this is probably my last... Good take for you. Um, wait, what games have we got left to talk about?
0: So we've got uh, Colts-Texans, Chiefs-Cardinals, 49ers-Bears, Patriots-Dolphins, Ravens-Jets, and then bucks Cowboys, Broncos-Seahawks. Oh my Oh my God, we've got so many. Yeah, but most of the games that we've already discussed had a lot of points, and now we don't have to really talk about very many of the rest of them. Like, we, yeah, It was very top-heavy. I'm going to be
2: leaving you guys at the graveyard just a little bit, um, but I think... Actually, we can probably knock out one of the main points about Broncos Seahawks as well. And it's not even related to this game, but a thematic point from week one a lot of coaches sort of shat the bed in end of game situations. Um, Lovey Smith opting to punt from midfield on fourth down um, with, you know, a minute or whatever left in overtime. That was just a bit cowardly. That's not sending a great message. Um, Hackett. And the Broncos' final drive is probably the worst example in week one. But you also had Zach Taylor kind of blowing, kicking that field goal that they missed on third down. Um, who else sort of made an themselves? There was some. Uh, someone else did it as well. Um, Hackett, Lovey, Zach Taylor, and oh, Mike Rabel as well kind of yeah, bungled at yeah, the yeah. end of yeah. the Titans Giants game. And. You know, a few of these guys are first-time head coaches, but it, it was really like it kind of underscored the fact that it's week one, shaking the rust <laughs> off a little bit. But the hacky one was just embarrassing. I don't know. I don't know if there was a single person in that stadium who was more clueless than he was at the end of that game. Like. <laughs> <laughs> everyone was just like, take a timeout, take a timeout. And... There's quite a funny see, clip mate? of
0: Peyton Manning being like, all right, well, take a timeout now, and then you can just see him for 30 seconds just holding a timeout sign, just please, please. And then they took one with 20 seconds left, and he was just like, what is going on?
2: Anytime you can keep two timeouts in your back pocket to take in between Seattle meal downs, God, that just makes the Bible right, <laughs> yeah. is not it? That is a <deeming>. I mean, yeah. there's obviously there's probably actually Broncos-Seahawks is probably the other game you've got left with the, with the most talking points other than maybe like Dax injury perhaps, but
0: yeah. Well, that is but, the that, only that is, talking I, point I had from that game. I fell asleep. It was bad,
2: but yeah. Well, that is my final takeaway from this week is head coaches, you got a week. Most of you, please consolidate your shit because come on, we get... It's not often like I know it's a high pressure situation, but genuinely, all of us here could do it, and we're babbling morons, so
3: yeah. I mean, I think that we'd like the Lovey Smith one was pure cowardice, and that's why I liked it the least. But yeah,
0: yeah, just get it together, everyone, (laughs) sort it out. Uh, I assume that's you done for the evening, Max?
2: Yeah, I'm going to love you and leave you. Um, my dinner's not on fire, but um, my raging passion for the NFL is a blaze. Um After week one, a very fun week. And I think the other main takeaway that I had is, you know how I'm, I was very pessimistic um, going into the season? Yes. I think my final thought is just show it to me because there's always hype. Always hype in the NFL. The NFL, more than any other sport I've ever watched, the cycle of preseason hype is insane. Yeah. And I've just decided that until I've seen it from a team, I'm not going to believe that they can do it. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: that's fair enough. Fair
2: enough. Yeah. All right. Alright. Well, I love you and leave you. Have a good evening, everyone.
0: Yeah. Bye. See you later. See you later. All right, Ed. Let's rattle through the remaining games because I'm done with Texans, Colts already. We got a tie. That would usually be exciting, but in this week, not so much. Uh, Chiefs, 44. Cardinals, 21. This is one of the best Patrick Mahomes performances that I've ever seen, but it also happened to come at one of the weirdest Kyler Murray performances. I think it was an
3: incredible Mahomes performance, but I think it was an even better Andy Reid performance. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like that it's maybe the best coached offensive game I've ever seen just like from a pure like this is basically a new playbook um yeah Murray played weirdly but Murray with everything that's gone on around him and the fact that he had no one to throw to I kind of understand Murray not having a very good game yeah and like I, Murray's not a good game was still like more points than was scored by half of the teams in the NFL so we can't like can't don't dump, dump on them too much, but they were worlds apart these teams.
0: Yeah. It uh it definitely shut me up because I mean, they even got great performances out of the running game, which has been a sort of weird issue talking point for them for ages. They played as smart a game did the Chiefs as I've seen them do, like ever. They weren't just relying on the high end talent and and just taking a deep shot to a fast guy. And that being like an effective way of moving the ball. Because they knew that everyone's gonna be playing too high safety. They played effective dink and dunk, but they also moved the ball incredibly quickly as well. It was it was just brilliant to watch. Um to the point where I actually I forgot that <laughs> I actually forgot that this game was going on at one point because Red Zone stopped cutting to it because there was nothing there was nothing else really to say about it, like the Chiefs just mauled them for sixty straight minutes and it was it was nice seeing like Isaiah Pacheco and everything getting some decent gains and getting a touchdown as well. Just a great performance. Patrick Mahomes has more career um or I think in seventy six or seventy eight career games has eight Games where he's thrown five plus touchdowns. Peyton Manning, in almost five times as many games, has ten. Like it's otherworldly what Patrick Mahomes is capable of doing when he's when he's feeling his when he's feeling his game and the the offense is working. It's like a well-oiled machine. It was possibly the best performance we'll get out of an offense all season. They so just shut it was certainly down. up there.
3: It was certainly up there.
0: I I don't think we need to say any more about this game. Yeah, agreed. Um sorry Chiefs fans, but you know, that's what happens when you just absolutely batter the Cardinals. Um Alright. Next one was the Clusterfucking in in a typhoon over at Soldier Field for well, weirdly what might be one of their last seasons at Soldier Field because they, they apparently got Planning permission to move," said the Bears. Um, and they they put up a nineteen ten win. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, E. Q. Saint Brown scored a touchdown five, uh, three minutes after Amon Ra, so that was cool. But other than that, like this game, this game blew to watch. It was it was a bad game, but the Bears came out on top. I, I don't put any stock in either team right now because it was just dreadful conditions and that offers up bad games I think it was a very interesting game like it
3: was it was one of the more enjoyable ones to watch in my opinion because everyone was like slipping over and stuff it was a certain level that I got a sort of sense of childish enjoyment out of it (laughs) but um (laughs) by that other by any other metric it wasn't the best game of the weekend but like you know a win's a win chicago won a game against another sort of preseason darling in the 49ers i mean time will t- time will tell whether that's relevant but the 49ers could be absolutely kicking themselves at the end of the season
0: they could be yeah um but my only my only point is i don't want to i don't want to be down or up on either of these two teams because like i say when you are playing in conditions that were as bad as they were at soldier field i mean they were they were Hauling out rakes all game to try and brush water off the field. It was, it was, it was dreadful condition-wise. So like, how how you expect Trey Lance and Justin Fields to effectively move the ball in that sort of in that sort of weather? I I didn't, and I was sort of mildly vindicated by it being sort of such a weird, sloppy, but like you say, almost whimsical sort of game. So good job, bears! Yeah,
3: uh, you win. What What they need to do is like release a supercut of it set to the Benny Hill theme. <laughs> yeah, oh.
0: that would be great. That would be. That would probably have been much more like. You'd probably know more about the game and these two teams <laughs> if you did do that than if you actually watched the game in in normal speed. So, that sounds about right. Shall we move yeah. quickly on? Sure, sure. Sweet. Uh, The Miami Dolphins did what they always do in Miami against the Bill Belichick Patriots and beat them. Doesn't matter how good or bad either of these two teams are. Any time that the Patriots go to Miami, they lose. It's just a fact. Um, The big story coming out of this one, though, is that Mac Jones, uh, I believe, has had his X-ray on his back. Apparently, they've done all the tests and everything was fine, but he was getting back spasms and it was feared that he might have broken his back, but apparently he's alright. So, I don't know if he'll end up playing this coming week, but their backup's Brian Hoyer. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Um,
3: special shout out to Javon Holland, by the way, for the. Um... Dolphins I thought he was amazing today he was absolutely everywhere. Uh Yeah there was there was there was one nice throw in this one which is where uh, Mac Jones finds Kendrick Bourne on an absolute rope
1: mm-hmm. down
3: the left-hand side but it was one of those games where like quality was a little bit few and far between.
0: Yeah, we got, a, we got a real nice uh, touchdown pass as well to Jalen Waddle. Weirdly, when you listen to the broadcast, you can hear the commentators saying, oh, I don't agree with the call to go for it here and not take a timeout. And then, and then Tua hits Jalen Waddle over the middle and he, he takes it the remaining 35 yards or whatever on uh, yeah. on a long touchdown. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Tyreek Hill had a couple like good catches, but it's what we Dude. sort of expected.
3: The waddle, the waddle one really annoyed me because it's how Emma used to beat me on Madden because it was just a quick
0: <laughs> one, and then the two <laughs> two
3: safeties ran into each other.
0: Yeah, Oh, brilliant. Um, but yeah, I mean, great defensive game by the Dolphins. Uh, that was that was pretty much all I I, I have to say. Really, I'm gonna wait yeah. and see what both of these teams look like in sort of week five because. I don't know, I never I never bank on the Patriots or Dolphins at this exact moment in time being like a true representation of themselves up until we hit October. Um it feels like September just doesn't exist for either of these two teams and they sort of play well enough to win games, bad enough to lose them. And it just depends on it? who they're playing.
3: Seems like it might apply. I mean, other than the Bills this year, who are clearly the real deal, I think that might apply to all of the rest of the AFC West, uh, AFC East.
0: Yeah, um, and just depending on the strength of the opposition, which is why like the Patriots winning here was so, so expected to me. They they always lose in Miami, especially in this iteration. So, yeah, I'm not going to take anything from 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 this one. Just a good win for the Patriots. Uh, for the Dolphins, and hopefully Mac Jones is all right, because I don't want to watch Brian Hoyer in the year twenty twenty two. All right, we got we got three more games. How much do you really want to mention Ravens Jets other than a couple of real nice passes from Lamar Jackson into Devin Duvernay for the touchdowns? Because I don't have anything to add to to that game at all. No, other
3: than like to commiserate with Jets fans because it may well be that you've got another season of this. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah.
0: Feel for your buddy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, best of luck, Jets fans. Um, also, fair play, Ravens. You went in and beat the brakes off the Jets in New York and did it. Yeah. You, You achieved the goal. Um, you are, you have you have a little bit of a point actually just quickly about patrick queen which made me chuckle and um it was the what was it again you said that he's his best performance is when he's run blocking off of an interception
3: oh yeah he is the world's most enthusiastic run blocker when the team have um turned over the opposition but he is very very poor as a coverage or inside <laughs> linebacker
0: <laughs> <laughs> just it just it it did just make me uh, make me chuckle when I read it, so I thought like we'd share it for the for the listeners. But yeah, I, I I firmly agree. Patrick Queen seems devoid of of the skills that I saw and quite liked in his rookie year. Just completely gone.
3: Um, he he might have like the Harold Landry turn. Do you, do you remember like my criticism of Harold Landry? Yeah, which is that he's yeah he like he got that under control and he was clearly. Like, very talented. He just needed to sort out that thing that was such a flaw in his game. Yeah. Patrick Queen needs to sort out when he's going to arrive at the ball carrier. Yeah. Because he's either arriving too early or too late in every snap, and he needs to get there on time. As soon as he gets that down, he'll be a good linebacker.
0: That seems to be a thing, though, for, like, quite a few of the inside linebackers. I know... I don't want to dredge it up, but, like, Devin Bush had the exact same problem... But he was playing way too timid after his ACL tear. This week he finally turned it around. I'm hoping that Patrick Queen can turn it around for himself. Cause I don't want, I don't want people that I actually quite liked the look of, especially at linebacker, to just suddenly just drop into complete crap and, and just not have anything. Cause, you know, I, I liked Patrick Queen, but he just isn't good right now. <clears throat> Um, all right, I have literally no points from a gameplay perspective for the game that caused me to fall asleep, which was the Cowboys 3, Buccaneers 19. Um, the only, I, I, do... oh, go on my my one my one
3: thing to say is that i perennially forget how good mike Evans is as a football player yeah like he gets yeah. a lot of grief from me from his tattoo because his tattoos are gross but like <laughs> i think i think that once again he showed that like he deserves to be talked about in that upper echelon of wide receivers like even though he runs about four routes he runs them at an impossibly high level
0: yeah he's also just a a, a monster in the red zone. Like, you always yep. want a guy that'll win one-on-one, sometimes even two-on-one coverage on a fade route. Like, and that's what he did here for the only touchdown of this game. Um Was the it nice to I see Julio about... Jones, by the way, out there? Like, playing pretty well yeah. for a catch or two? He took he took jet sweeps. I was like, what on earth is going on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: brilliant. But yeah, um... And I like these where at number six seems to suit Julio as well.
0: Yeah, it does. It it really does. So
3: um, good to see, and you. that's double as many, double as many as the Cowboys scored, which is always <laughs> fun. Yeah, I was thinking, having just just reading the, the news on this one, you might think, oh, like Dak got injured, and like Cooper Rush came in and the offense couldn't get going. No, no, the office couldn't get going with Dak in. It was a pretty woeful
0: performance from
3: everyone.
0: Yep. The, there just wasn't anything. I mean, they lost Amari Cooper, and I was just, I was sort of thinking, ah, that's a loss, but it's not too big of a loss. I mean, they still got C D Lamb. They still have like pieces. No, Michael no, Gallup. No, no, nothing. they did not. It was it was it was abject. It was devoid of quality. It was devoid of anything. Um, and then when Dak went down, it was just like the the nail in the coffin. He's gonna miss six weeks. Cooper rushes apparently going to be the one that plays in all six of those weeks
3: um, best of luck I think, San, I think San Francisco are getting some calls don't you
0: <laughs> well I thought this and then Jerry Jones said that they, were gonna, they weren't gonna, they were going to put him IR, uh, on IR, and they think that Dak will be fine after four weeks but that seems a little optimistic I mean I know Dak's a quick healer but four weeks for a dislocation do you throw in hand like, what are you, are you expecting him to be good after those, after those yeah, four what, weeks? What are you hoping for? Yeah.
3: Um, yeah. That's, yeah. It was terrible. It was terrible from a Cowboys perspective and I lapped it up.
0: Yeah. I think everyone does. I think that the one thing that most people can agree on is, um, fuck the Cowboys because they, they just are, they just are souls, aren't they? Yeah, I'll go with that. Um, Alright, and then for the final game, Monday Night Football, where the Denver Broncos, under the t- the watchful gaze of a new head coach and a new quarterback... Broncos country! Let's ride. Lost 16-17 to on one of the worst final drives that you will see. They had a minute left. They got to about the sort of 48 or 49 of the Seahawks. And instead of using a timeout on fourth and five and letting their now $40 million a year for the next five years quarterback take over the reins and try and make a play, they absolutely blew it and went for the field goal after burning down 40 seconds of time. It was dreadful. As I mean,
3: as Max put it,
0: it was the
3: most senseless play of the week. um, And it killed what was... Like, it took this weird... Because, like, they still had an opportunity to kick, and you're thinking, well, like, Brandon McManus is a decent kicker and can probably make this. Like, I don't think... It's certainly within his range. But he just... They iced him and he missed. And then he missed it again. And you're just like, well, if they've iced him and he's missed... You've even then got an opportunity to throw the ball. Yeah, like you've got another opportunity. He's just showed you. Oh, actually,
0: <laughs> this might <laughs> like... be a problem. They still had two timeouts as well. They could have. They could have easily gone for it. And it's not like they weren't having success. I mean, Russell Wilson no. had a sort of iffy day. I think, that, to be honest, their play calling was what let Russell Wilson down more than anything. Their they're opening two drives. They only targeted a wide receiver once. Um, and this is up against the Seahawks cornerbacks, who is uh, Ronald Jones, who... Uh, not Ronald Jones, Ronald Darby, I believe. Former former. Eagle. Oh, Sydney Jones is who I'm thinking of. Um, so it's Sydney Jones. Tariq Woolen, who is a guy that... I'm not being funny. I've not had good readings on him as an actual cornerback. He's a he's he's fantastic athletically, but he seems very unpolished, very raw. So you could've targeted him. Or um Kirby Bryant, who we saw in preseason, was was kind of struggling in, in, in coverage. They had Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and they still only chose to target Sutton and Joe uh, and Judy for a combined eight receptions on the day, one of them being the massively long play to, for a touchdown for Judy when they actually finally did put pressure on Kobe Bryant. And they just didn't do it for the rest of the game. It was such a weirdly played game from the Broncos to the point where yeah. Geno Smith could get away with 13 passing yards in the second half and the Seahawks didn't look like losing it. No. And the the thing that I liked about the
3: Seahawks was the way they kept um they kept like disguising blitzers to rush up the middle. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't do it often, but when they got a rusher up the middle, they were almost always free and causing Russ a little bit of panic. Like whether or not they sacked him is kinda of by the by like they were they were really highlighting
0: a flaw that they'd found on the interior of the Denver O line. Yeah. And uh, Cody Barton had a had a real nice game, Jordan Brooks as well. It was all about the interior like of the of the linebacker core for the Seahawks. Because the Broncos didn't actually really put pressure on the outside, like throw outside the numbers every so often. And whenever they did, it was like, Oh great, you've thrown it to the guy that's now covered by Quandre Diggs. Like, scheme somebody open, Nathaniel. I just I just didn't feel I don't feel any more enthusiastic about the Broncos. I feel way less. I'm starting to look at this thinking, like, we could be thinking in week nine or ten, thinking this is it for a Russell Wilson Broncos team where they're, like, by week ten, four and six, and they're nowhere near the playoff picture because the AFC West is so stacked, and the AFC well, North's to- got the Bengals and Ravens, and there's no there's no wild card spot left. Like... Good job! You've ruined it. You wasted it. This is the, this is the thing, right? No matter how things change, they stay the same.
3: What were we saying last year? Oh, the the Chiefs and the Chargers—they're they're really good. And then the off season, we were like, oh, they're all changing the AFC West. No, no.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, no change. There, there just isn't. Um... So yeah, maybe maybe they get it right and maybe Nathaniel Hackett sort of wakes up and realizes, oh, actually maybe I should, you know, look at Teams' depth chart and actually do some scouting on like a couple of rookies that <laughs> that haven't shown anything through preseason. Maybe I should target one of them. But yeah, Seahawks deserve to win this one. Um especially as well with the crucial red zone fumbles um, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams both having the ball knocked free it was I like Javante Williams I, he's 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 totally one of those guys for me that I could really really dig but both of those fumbles just killed the Broncos and the worst part is they could have just gone for a kick any one of those drives where they, hot, they got to the goal line and tried going for it on like third and fourth down they could have just kicked it they didn't have won Gino Smith wasn't doing anything with the ball. The Seahawks had to rely no. on Richard Penny, but they were allowed to because the Broncos just sucked. They just didn't get the play the plan right at all, and they deserved to lose. So, yeah, woof, ouch. Owen won for the year, and this was maybe their most winnable game, in my opinion. The Broncos.
3: I'd go along with that. I
0: think that it's certainly an opportunity missed. Um. So, yeah, I mean, they've got the Texans this coming week and they've got the Jets in sort of week seven, I believe. But other than that, it is, it is pretty much all teams that I could see at least pushing for the playoffs or maybe getting it turned around from their position right now. So, yeah, they they might have just completely fucked it by losing this game here. Um and in the AFC West, that's that's not a good that's not a good sign. So yeah, sort it out. We'll 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 talk about it later. But um, for now, ooh, could be a long season, Denver. I know this is week one, but that was one you had to get. All right, Are we. How would you say if we were to say wrap this uh, wrap this up and get some closing remarks and stuff, Ed?
3: That sounds lovely to me. And my, my closing remark can simply be well done, Tom, for being a port in the storm for the listeners this week. You know, we had rotating cast of people joining and leaving, but the big man with the hair of a lion stuck it out to the end.
0: I appreciate that. I, uh, You know, I always just want to try and, like, be a, be a port of... Uh... Of, of stability, I want to be the anchor of the show if I if I can be. Um, you can actually catch more from the Stiff Lip Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at, at Stiff Lip Pod. Um, also, I uh, I recently joined our friend Kieran on the show to uh, to to talk about Bengals Steelers on his YouTube channel. So I'll I'll share that on the Twitter account. But uh, yeah, thank you for listening. We'll see you week two.